Oh, my God. 
25 minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
JM in the AM. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. How's it going, all? Thanks for choosing us to listen to on a Friday morning. Thanks for choosing us to a to a to accompany you on your Friday morning journey, wherever it might be. Derech Achim, that's Lachad Odi, of course, here at JM in the AM. Uh, let's see. Before that. Via Hafta, done by Ari Goldwag. The Moshav Band had Bowie Vishalom. Shainis, that was Shimmy Engel. Muggain from Miami. Yankee Lembers, Mim Komcha. Miyale from Leviathan. Yaakov Shweki had Ma'amin Benisim. Maya Didus, done by Shrevel Sharf and Levine. And of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday on this 4th of January, 27th of Teves. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Va'era with candle lighting at 421 on this Erev Shabbos. 421 will bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Shvat will be Monday. Rosh Chodesh Shvat, Sunday night, Monday. A one-day Rosh Chodesh Shvat coming up. That means we're getting closer to Tuba Shvat. I think it's two weeks from Monday, Tuba Shvat. And yeah, we are planning a Tuba Shvat special. i got to check in with the uh, one and only Mayor Weingarten, make sure he's ready for that. I have a feeling he is. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I just got... <laughs> I just tried calling Simon uh, a, a couple of minutes ago, and I see he just uh, he just commented on the app. Boker Tov Nachum from Jerusalem, listening with Barry as we are preparing for Shabbat. Thank you for the uh, Sephardic wake-up. <laughs> a beautiful day in Aret, Simon says. He sat outside to enjoy breakfast in Jerusalem. He can't imagine how uh, warm it was on the coast. An incredible day. Wishing everyone Shabbat Shalom Varach to Simon. Shabbat Shalom Varach to you and to Barry and everybody in the Holy Land. 36 degrees outside with 70% humidity. Winds are west at 6 miles an hour. Mostly cloudy. A high temperature of 49. Then tonight, the rain starts in this area. Low 43. More rain for Shabbat with a high 47 degrees. Yerushalayim is at 56. 36 here in New York City. As we say good morning at JM in the AM at a quarter before 7 o'clock. Malcolm Honeline, one hour from now. The weekly update with the Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of major American Jewish organizations. We will do that one hour from now here at JM in the Amber by Uden, of course, with Parshas Va'era coming up at about 8.15. Full day on the network, as you would uh, as you would assume, as you would imagine. Full day of amazing pre-Shabbos programming, plus, of course, Naomi Nachman on at 9 o'clock with a fresh edition of Table, <laughs> excuse me, of table for Two. Lots going on, plenty happening, and Baruch Hashem, you are on the receiving end of some amazing Original programming right here at JM in the AM.
been returned to Israel and are like dreamers. All the leaders of the world are trying to understand how, while our people flood back in from all the nations, and after centuries of tears, we see you, Hashem, in everything and await your warm embrace of full redemption.
שבעים שנה על הארץ הקטנה ושבו הבנים אל אבותיו. אין חורבן לגאולה, אלפי שנים תפילה גדולה, ובין יש דמעה של לחמה. Keep on it. 
J.M. in the A.M. Yibane done by Shal Shelles. Uh, before that, Yisrael Bil Vavot, led by uh, Simon Jacob, who's tuned in from Jerusalem. Uh, before that one, you heard Ohad with Levado. Lechado done by Derech Achim here at J.M. the A.M. Friday morning on the Zerif Shabbos Parshas Va'era, candle lighting at 421 here in New York. 421. Spoke to uh, Chief of Staff Yigal. A moment ago, said the Jerusalem candle lighting is at uh, four fourteen. I think that's what he told me. Did he say four? No, no I don't remember. <laughs> no, I think he said that. <laughs> I think. <laughs> uh, well, bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Shvat will be on Monday. Rosh Chodesh Shvat will be on Monday. We bench Rosh Chodesh in synagogue tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in to JM in the AM. Coming up, our newscast from Israel. Galitzal is in the background, of course. Our news from Israel is coming up, plus much, much more. Weekly update with Malcolm Holine in the 7 o'clock hour. Rabbi Yudin in the 8 o'clock hour. Plenty happening on our network all day long, if you keep it right here at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com, on the NachumSingle Network, and, of course, in the beloved NSN app. And I thank everybody for tuning in. I want to thank everybody who donated toward the end of 2018 to make our uh, year-end campaign a success. A big thank you to everybody who took part in it. Um, and we will get to uh, some of the individual thanks that we would like to proclaim to our entire audience uh, early next week right here at JM in the AM. So a big thank you to everybody who kept us in mind at fjbunity.org. And don't forget you can sponsor part or all of a JM in the AM broadcast by going to fjbunity.org. All the details are there. Naomi Nachman with a brand new edition of Table for Two coming up at 9 a.m. She's joined today by Shifra Klein from Fleischig's Magazine, Abby and Sarah Maltz from Wayless Cookies, and Rachel and Hezi Yazdi from Fruits by Pesha. Oh, boy. 
A lot of stuff happening today between 9 and 10 on Table for Two. Naomi's going to preside. Make sure to be tuned in. And of course, the video will be available on, a, on our homepage at NahumSiegel.com starting at 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Make sure to be tuned in. Galaitzal in the background. Galaitzal, Israel Army Radio. 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday. Erev Shabbos follows next. We say Boker Tov from JM in the end. הערה פיקודית למזכיר הצבאי של נתניהו, הרמטכ"ל רב אלוף גדי איזנקוט, החליט להעיר הערה פיקודית למזכיר הצבאי לראש הממשלה, תת אלוף אבי בלוט, בעקבות התנהלותו בסוגיית פינוי המבנים הלא חוקיים בעמונה. בבירור שקיים עמו היום, אמר איזנקוט לבלוט, כי טעה בטיפול באירוע, והיה מצופה ממנו לנהוג באופן מקצועי יותר. זאת לאחר שבלוט התעכב, והעביר את הנחיית ראש הממשלה שלא לפנות אתמול מבנים בעמונה שבבנימין, רק לאחר שהפינוי היא כבר החל. מדובר צה"ל נמסר שהקצין הכיר בטעותו וציין כי יפיק לקחים להמשך. ידיעה שמסר כתבנו לענייני צבא וביטחון, צחי דבוש. טהרן תשלח ספינות נושאות טילים לאוקיינוס האטלנטי מול חופי ארצות הברית, כך מודיע חיל הים האיראני. זאת בתגובה לנוכחות חיל הים האמריקני במים הבינלאומיים שמול איראן. הספינות נושאות הטילים יצאו מאיראן בחודש מרס, למשימה שתימשך חמישה חודשים. בערד, נער בן 13 נפצע בינוני כשנפל מגובה. צוות מגן דוד אדום פינה אותו לבית החולים סורוקה בבאר שבע. כתבנו בדרום רמי שני מוסר כי נסיבות הנפילה נבדקות. במדבר יהודה חולצו שני מטיילים שנפלו בעת שרכבו על אופניים. רוכב כבן 70 נפצע כשנפל בוואדי קלט, ומטיילת בת 35 נפלה בנחל חצצון סמוך למצפה שלם. צוותים של יחידת החילוץ המשטרתית מגילות חילצו אותם והעבירו אותם לטיפול במרכזים הרפואיים בירושלים. שגרירות ישראל בבנקוק נערכת לסופה פאבוק המכה בחופי דרום תאילנד. השגרירות פתחה חפ"ק חירום ופרסמה הודעה למטיילים בה היא ממליצה להימנע מהגעה לקו החוף ולהצטייד במזון, מים וסוללות. כתבתנו טל זרביב מוסרת כי עד כה פנו לשגרירות עשרות ישראלים שנמצאים באזור האיים ודיווחו כי מצבם טוב. אזור הסכנה בתאילנד כולל חלק מאתרי התיירות הפופולריים בהם האיים קופנגן, קוסומוי ופוקט. מזג האוויר בסוף השבוע, הלילה יהיה מעונן, מחר ירידה קלה בטמפרטורות ולקראת הערב ייתכן גשם מקומי בצפון. ואלה זמני כניסת השבת פרשת וערה. בירושלים 4 ו-13 דקות, בתל אביב 4 ו-27, בחיפה 4 ו-16 ובבאר שבע תיכנס השבת ב-4 ו-31 דקות. ואלה זמני צאת השבת בירושלים 5.29, בתל אביב 5.30, בחיפה 5.28 ובבאר שבע תצא השבת ב-5.32. שבת שלום, אלה החדשות שערכה ענבל אלבז. Le Covet Chavez Le Covet Chavez Le Covet Chavez 
J.M. in the A.M. Leif Tahara, volume number five. 
an amazing song for an Arab Shabbos where we're about to bench Rosh Chodesh. That's Birchas HaChodesh from Leif Tahar. Chaim, of course, a uh, a great refrain when that song was originally done and uh, and debuted here uh, at JMNAM. It was uh, done in memory of uh, Chaim Lobo Silber. I'll never forget that. And there it is. Chaim Birchas HaChodesh Leif Tahar at JMNAM. Achol Przansky before that with Chaverim Am Mekadashe done by Yehuda Green. Brand new off of the Shamala to open up the hour. 17 minutes after 7 o'clock. Good morning. It's JM in the AM. Don't forget, coming up at 9 o'clock, Naomi Nachman with a brand new edition of Table for Two. At 10 a.m., the Arab Shabbos Show Encore, brought to you by our friends at Kedem and hosted by Mark Zamek. Then the Arab Shabbos Music Mix, but not before the Harry Rothenberg Parshas Vaira video blog at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami. Matis has JM Sunday coming up Sunday morning, live between 7 and 9 a.m. And uh, we highly recommend you tune in, as it seems a lot of people are every week, frankly. It's amazing how many people are tuning in to uh, JM Sunday at this point as Matis continues its amazing streak of live weekly performances uh, and presentations of the show since its start just a few years ago. Really amazing. Thank you, Matis. Kendall Lighting at 421 on this era of Shabbos Parshas Vaera. Hass Concert comes up Sunday night. The Hass Concert this coming Sunday night. Avery Fisher Hall, now called David Ge- David Geffen Hall, Lincoln Center, New York City, anticipating an amazing event. Cannot wait to welcome all of you who will be in the audience to that incredible get-together of Jewish music and support for an amazing institution. Camp Hask, a time for music 32. Wow, who would believe that? This coming Sunday night, look forward to greeting everybody uh, on Sunday night at Lincoln Center. More coming up. It's JM in the AM Friday with Schleimi Gertner.
JM in the AM, 28 minutes after 7 o'clock. Maron uh, Divishmaya. Uh, that comes from Miami, of course. Album is entitled Forever. Shlaimi Gertner with Shabbos off the Serenity selection, or Serenity album, I should say. Leif Tahar before that with the Abir Chodesh. Well, Ben Trosh Chodesh tomorrow, Rosh Chodesh Shvat is on Monday. Rosh Chodesh Shvat is on Monday. Keep that in mind. Speaking of keeping in mind, could you please keep in mind Adina Leia Bas Sara Esther. Adina Leia Bas Sara Esther having surgery this morning. Please keep her in your prayers. Adina Leia Bas Sara Esther and your help with that, of course, is greatly appreciated. Uh, just over 10 minutes away from Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. We'll have him on for the weekly update coming up here at JM. The Amber Yudin, of course, will address us regarding Parshas Vaera. Full day on our network, as we've, met, as we've been mentioning to everybody. I want to thank those who made our 2018 campaign a success. If you didn't have a chance to give, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. And don't forget, you could sponsor part or all of a JM and the AM broadcast in memory of somebody, in honor of somebody, etc., etc., just by going to fjbunity.org. More coming up. It's Friday, Erev Shabbos at JM and the AM. I'm all a oil on das is wunder sei wie mein Sohn 
Shalom Aleichem, Malachi Ashores, Malachi Elioi, Miyimelech, Malachi Hamlochim, Akodosh Bovoruchu. Avram Freed with Shalom Aleichem. Yaakov Shweki before that with Smechim, Keladon, Shira Hadasha Boys Choir, and before that, Schlockrock here on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at JMNAM. Candle lighting at 421 in New York on this Erev Shabbos, Parshas Vayera. We will bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Shvat will be um, on Monday, one day Rosh Chodesh, starting uh, Sunday night and a one day. Monday Rosh Chodesh. Uh, I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com. If you want to print out thousands of articles about Israel and the Jewish world before Shabbos and enjoy them, or <laughs> depend, depending on their perspective, maybe you won't enjoy them, but uh, you will digest them. Um, check them out, JewishWorldReview.com. Also, our friends at OnlySimchas.com, continuously using our content and uh, content from all around the globe for great news stories about Israel and the Jewish world. Check it out on a daily basis, the news feed of OnlySimchas.com. Com. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. As he joins us this morning, I remind everybody that he is going to be one of the featured speakers with plenty of information and lots to talk about. Oh, it'll be right after the uh, new Israeli election uh, during Passover, Pesach 2019. 
Go to the website, PesachInVallarta.com for information. Again, PesachInVallarta, V-A-L-L-A-R-T-A.com for more information. Malcolm Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Oh, thank you very much. Good to be with you, as always. It's going to be right after the Israeli election. You're going to be bombarded yeah. with questions. <laughs> it's possible, I by the way. I some answers, but they're, they're, unfortunately, the agenda today and the likelihood of what's ahead in the months to come, I think, will keep us all very busy and uh, with a lot to talk about. Well, there's no question about that. You, it also might be unique in that Pesach could be a week between the election and the actual formation of the government. There could be a lot of jockeying and juggling going on during that time. So what's already an interesting period of time could become even more interesting in the aftermath of the election. Right. Well, then normally it can take a month, two months, three months even, with the um, negotiations. This time, giving the splintering of parties, it could be <laughs> – most people anticipated that it would be a much shorter period – but I'm not sure. I think that uh, you know there could be a, a, a lot of leveraging, and we don't know what will happen with the indictments. We don't know what will happen with uh, the merging of opposition uh, parties, not necessarily from the left, but uh, with the Gantz and Yalom and uh, the split between Gabay and, and the very the dramatic split between Gabay and um, uh, Livni this week. I mean, it's quite the, really the, coming out of the gate. It's a very interesting. Oh, it certainly is. All right, before we get to the elections and some of the other news in the Middle East, uh, the London-based bank HSBC clarified that its decision to divest from Israel's Elbit systems in a is a statement against the production of cluster bombs and has nothing to do with the boycott movement against Israel. Stuart Levy, HSBC's chief legal officer and group managing director, said HSBC's decision to divest from Elbit Systems was not the result of campaigning about a boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement, and it is not indicative of support for the movement's objectives. The decision was based on our longstanding defense policy, whereby we do not invest in companies linked to the production or marketing of cluster munitions. You told us last week that you are working on the front lines of this situation. Are you satisfied with this report? Yeah, so first of all, the, um, it's very important for us to focus on the real cases and, you know, with the uh, proliferation of fake news in, in just in the last couple of days, the stories that we've seen New York Times doing three full pages about Gaza. We have um, The Guardian with uh, completely fake news about um, uh, the, the Israel denying medicines to people in Gaza when it turns out it's the PA and their policies that did it. They, there are uh, such a proliferation of fake stories that one uh, about Beit uh, Lechem and saying that the, the mayor there is saying that Israel is barring people from coming. Since the PA took over there in 95, the Christian population is down from 40% to 12%. The, the, they're the ones who, who block the people. The, um, they, even, they even said that there's a, a fence that divides, a wall that divides the heart of the city, when in fact, the, as you know, the wall in Bethlehem is outside of the city, it's north of the city limits. So what's very important is that people, and that's why uh, what I said last week is that we're looking into it, because if we get diverted and, and uh, lose credibility when we make uh, accusations or a protest, um, uh, when in fact, as in this case, it has nothing to do with BDS. Stuart Levy was an assistant secretary of the Treasury. 
He was um, he used the guy who did the the sanctions. He's a, a good Jew, a very committed Jew, and a really good guy, and someone I would trust. So we consulted with him, and it turns out that this is a policy that applies to Raytheon, to Lockheed Martin, to companies around the world, all of whom they do not invest in. If and because Elbit bought IMI, which does produce some cluster munitions, that they uh, it, it was an automatic process that they were they w- would not invest through their mutual funds, but they have the full panoply of involvement in Israel, including a bank in Israel. None of that is affected. So if it's a universal policy, we can agree, disagree whether they should, but they, they it has nothing to do with discrimination against Israel or, or support for BDS. Okay, so it sounds like you're satisfied with the response. I am satisfied that this is not a BDS case. Yes, absolutely. Staying outside of Israel and speaking about uh, policies that uh, that are offensive and in many cases practically difficult for Jews, um, we've discussed in the past those European countries that have made efforts to ban shechita, uh, ritual slaughter, and uh, it, it seems this week that and 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 very often, speaking of fake news, very often those reports of that blanket statement, you know country banning shechita, very often there are a lot of caveats or details that are not reported, and the situation very often is not as severe as as thought by members of the Jewish community. This week we heard about a shechita ban being implemented in a uh, prominent area, including the Jewish community area of Belgium. Uh, number one, is it true or fake? And number two, I would think that if in fact it did become law and it's now implemented, there would have been a major outcry from the Jewish world, from the international uh, Jewish presence. What can you tell us about this? Well, in this case, it is true, and it is it's specific areas that were voted locally um, to to implement a ban on, on uh, Shechito, but it's also a ban on Halal. And um, they, it probably wasn't primarily directed at uh, at Jews, but uh, the the impact is the same nonetheless. And the real danger here is the precedent that it sets. Uh, and we know from past that uh, shechita and brit milah, circumcision and kosher slaughter, are the first two targets of anti-Semites in countries that uh, were adopting anti-Semitic policies. Right. Start with with those two, and without them, Jewish life is not possible. And I think this is a message, and it was not adopted by all of Belgium or all of Europe, as some of the reports would have indicated. It is a a more isolated policy, but nonetheless, it is being considered in other regions as well. Uh, And and people say, well, it's only anti-Muslim. I I don't believe that. We see the rise of anti-Semitism over the past years uh, abroad and in the United States. The reports that come out at the... um, End of the end of the year um, indicate clearly the rise in, in within Europe. Even though the Council of Europe adopted the first real declaration to fight anti-Semitism and provide security of the Jewish communities in Europe, nonetheless, we we've seen the the policies that and the the and numbers. Whether it's in in New York, where the police indicated that uh, uh, that was a significant increase. <laughs> In the nine, uh, the FBI had said 37 percent. I think the New York police was 21 percent in anti-Semitic attacks. But in both cases, Jews are the primary target of hate crimes, not Muslims, not others. 
and that the the numbers continue to increase, and it's certainly true in Europe. So these expressions, whether it's adoption by a, a local council uh, of a measure like this, are reflective of a trend and and are warning signals. Or in this case, I think we're past the warning signals. This is this is the reality uh, of um, of what is happening, and and there isn't enough, I think, attention paid. By the governments, and we, while some of them have taken measures, France, others uh, give money, written, uh, are supportive of of the communities and try to help them with uh, financially or in other ways. But the fact is, overall, that the tolerance for anti-Semitism is now resulting in the the growth of these extremist movements. And the, to me, the interesting thing is that the vast majority of the anti well, the majority of the anti-Semitic attacks, the largest percentage. I think it was more than 30% were Muslims. Then left-wing and right-wing made up about 15%, even though the image you would get is that the right-wing attacks are much more prominent. Would an international uproar of significance from the Jewish world have prevented this law from being implemented? In that no, moment? they were protested. It was protested all along, both by Europeans, by, by we have written others. I know uh, spoke out on it. Uh, but it's a local uh, parliament. It's it's sort of like a regional city council or some right. state adopting uh, um, this and, uh, measure. And practically speaking, I guess that that the the people living in that area can bring in meat from other areas and yes. and, and and solve the problem in that way, in terms of practical uh, practically dealing with it. Um, Tell me about the uh, before we get to the actual discussion of the elections and some of the mini earthquakes that happened on the Israeli election scene this week. Uh, tell me about the likelihood of a pre-election hearing uh, of a complete suspension of the whole uh, case against Prime Minister Netanyahu. What's likely to happen over the next couple of months in that regard? Because he's already said that if there's an indictment or a hearing, I think he said uh, he would not resign. But the majority of Israelis who were polled, if you believe the polls would prefer that he would resign under those circumstances. Right. He's still the most popular figure, obviously, and uh, and clearly the a leader, and whether of choice or not, but of the when you come down to it, you see Likud still leads in the poll. So he has, he has the support and uh, of uh, a very significant part of the Israeli populace. Uh, but the issues of indictments, uh, and, and the question is what happens if there is a, not an indictment, but uh, if he's summoned, if they they have um, Hearing. hearings which are preliminary to to an indictment, uh, he said that it's it's anti democratic to do it before the election. People should be able to vote, and then after the vote, whatever legal process should take place. The attorney general said he will move ahead and do it as as um, process uh, unfolds, and not be d- dictated to by the calendar of the elections, but. The, and, and remember, uh, Mandelblit was appointed by Netanyahu, but was it the cabinet secretary? But you've told us they've had beef with each other, as the kids would say. And they are. <laughs> he is a he's a man of great integrity, and uh, I think has the respect uh, of uh, people. But Netanyahu, obviously, I guess has his differences with him now. Um, so that's an it's, it, it. It will raise many questions. We'll have to go to the Supreme Court, I think, about what happens, but. My guess is that you're not going to have indictments, and there may even be, according to some experts, not enough evidence to to really bring charges or 
implicate him in, let's say, the subway, the um, submarine uh, case, or some of the others. Uh, and the question is, do do the charges against them rise to the degree of of um, being able to to have a case against them? The one thing the police don't want, because their credibility and the attorney general doesn't want, is to have is to bring a case, a high profile case like this, and then lose it. It's happened too often in the past. And the police and the the legal authorities uh, lose their standing amongst the people when that happens. All right. So now on to the uh, these these uh, these interesting pieces of news regarding the upcoming election itself. Uh, first of all, we should remind everybody that modern Jewish history does tell us that new party formation is a very delicate area. Uh, very often, there are times where it does work, and there are times when it does last a while. Uh, the new parties, meaning. Uh, last while, but 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 there have been many times when there is a uh, completely you know a, a a real unattraction by the uh, uh, by the uh, public to new parties. So when when one goes ahead and does what Naftali Bennett has done, Ayala Chaked, just an example, uh, they they are taking a major risk. They have no idea what you know the reaction is going to be from the public. With that in mind, what didn't they like about their current party that made them form the new one? Well, maybe they, they read polls, and I'm sure they did a lot of studying before they made a move like this. Uh, also, the the party had has tremendous debts, tens of millions of shekels of debt, and um, they felt that they were not appealing to a broad enough constituency, that they were too bound by the uh, religious Zionists part, and they want to have something that appeals to a broader number of people. And there have been these tensions within the party all along, uh, I think that they uh, felt that it was their personal popularity. Shaked is popular. She's the minister of justice, and uh, he is the minister of education and diaspora affairs and other things. Um, and, uh, you know, Carolyn Glick, the, the columnist from the Jerusalem Post, has, has signed on to run on, on their ticket. And we will see who else they're able to attract. But you're, you're raising a very fundamental point, and people, you know, cite the fact that Benny Gantz, a former chief of staff, uh, came out of the box, you know, announcing the party, and right out of the gate, he's at 15 seats or 20 seats or right. 21 seats. But, you know, experience in Israel is that every time somebody new comes out, people say, well, I would vote for him until they actually have to go and debates and make presentations and come up with policies and be able to sustain it, and that it dissipates over time. And, and the fact that Netanyahu still is at 30, 31, could be more or less, um, obviously, Bennett takes votes from him, um, and Bennett and Shaked, but the, 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 this is the immediate reaction. We have to see what his lineup will be. I think you're going to see a lot of people fall by the wayside. Michael Oren is, was one uh, this week who, who uh, was dropped by Kulano or out, dropped out of Kulano. Uh, we see um, many others who are on their own volition say they don't want to run again, but many who, in the shifting of the political scene, and uh, Galant, who is a popular minister, uh, left uh, and became minister of absorption. He was minister of construction, I think it's called, and he... Um, he bolted from his party and went to is running in the Likud uh, primary, so there will be a lot of shifting and also negotiations then about what 
whether there can be a coalescence, for instance, Boogie uh, Alom is also also Minister of Defense and Chief of Staff has a party. So will he and uh, coalesce together with in before the election, or say that after the election they will unite and work together? Let's say with Gantz. He already said that he won't join a government that is Yalom led by Netanyahu, who he has served in the past. So a lot of shifting. Much too early for people to draw conclusions about who who will lead what parties. Will Avi Gabay now lead Labor into a coalition with Gantz or with someone else? And Lapid seems to retain a significant number of followers. Will he then join with other parties? Will Tzipi Livni bring Hatnua into something else? And she still seems to have five seats in the polls. But, you know, Israelis are notoriously known for telling the truth to the pollsters and then lying at the polls. <laughs> it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Did you ever meet Amos Oz? I guess I did meet Amos. And by the way, I just wanted to say one other thing that's really remarkable is the reports that the religious parties will run together, which will make a difference as well and would give oh, well, them a strong block. Yeah, we'll get back to that in a second. Um, um, uh, yes, I met I met Amos uh, uh, not often, but uh, you know he was a tremendous cultural figure in Israel, yeah. probably the most popular writer. He's very left. Very interesting very biography. Very strong points of view. Yeah. Uh, very popular, of course, in Europe. And uh, in the United States, yeah, very interesting biography. Learned a lot reading about his life uh, last weekend. Um, all right, so back to the election for a moment. If you were Caroline Glick's advisor, wouldn't you have advised her differently? Meaning, uh, when one is a very influential journalist, and again, we're English speakers, it's possible that you know she's not as influential on the other side of the world as she might be among us. Uh, you know, English speakers, but, but when one has the forum and platform that she has and is using it as effectively as she has, um, isn't the recommendation usually to stay out of politics and not to be buried, you know, on a, on a list of political candidates who, you know, will essentially be, you know, one of another, you know, group of people who are sitting in that 120-member Knesset? Yes, that... Uh... That is often the case, but we've seen it here. We've seen it elsewhere, where uh, people in media and others want to have a uh, want to make an impact, want to make a difference, and feel that uh, while they have tremendous influence, she certainly has influence through her column, which is widely read, as you said, in English. Uh, I don't know how strong if it has the equivalent impact uh, amongst the Hebrew readers, but she she uh, obviously made a. Uh, a decision, and she's a pretty thoughtful person. I, I don't think she just jumped into it, uh, because, uh, but it's, uh, you know, people who are on the cusp of uh, and, and constantly involved in the political realm yeah. say, I can make a difference, right. and I can pursue different policies, and if right. I think it certainly got her got attention to the new party by virtue of her joining. Tell her to have a talk with Benny Bagan. And then they'll see him. <laughs> <And then she'll, laughs> he won't make it to that party. No, that's for sure. 
Um, and by the way, it's interesting to see her throw her hat in the ring when at the same time we're reading articles or specifically an article that got a lot of attention in Ma'ariv, uh, uh, resenting, you know, expats of the USA who are now living in Israel, describing them as people who couldn't get jobs in America and therefore they came to Israel, describing their contribution to Israeli society as meaningless. I thought it was funny, that article coming out when she and Daron Spielman and others who were born here are, you know, are, are considering runs through the Knesset. Well, you know, the, the people who came on Aliyah uh, over the last uh, 20, 30 years, now they emerge into the political process. They they weren't there before. The, but you had Americans who ran, Weinberg, others. He was Canadian, right. uh, who were in the Knesset. You had uh, um, others who were born in, in the United States. Lippmann was in Knesset? Well, Lippmann for a short time, right? And... Um, um, and then you have uh, Mayor uh, was Michael Oren, others right. who who uh, were involved. So you so you might think that that uh, Mariv article is a little a little off base. But certainly off base, and you know it's easy for for people to to uh, you know everybody can opine, and then it becomes a scandalous story. But then they go on to the next thing in Israel. These things have very short shelf lives. Yeah. All right. Um, and 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 the last point on the whole on the whole journalist you know, um, going to the Knesset or trying to go to the Knesset, the real question becomes where can you have more influence? Where can you where can you accomplish more of whatever your goal might be? Is it as an outsider? As is it as an insider? And I guess that's essentially uh, what the debate's always going to be. All right, now you just mentioned something really important at the top of the hour, and that is that uh, the rumor that you have heard that the religious parties may run together. Now, when you say religious parties, I assume you're referring to the what what is traditionally the Aguda block and the Shas block, is that what you're that is that what you mean? And Dego. And well right, well Dego's that would be they'd be a natural partner with Aguda, right? If I'm not mistaken. I mean I think right. they, and, the two of them. Uh, and Derry uh, right. coming together. That's the report. And then I mean we've seen some questions raised about it, but that will make a, a difference if the three parties are able to to run together. Um We'll see. And I never assumed that anything you read until the day of the election, and they're still together. Right. Even more significant to me, as you mentioned that, is that does the Shaked Bennett move essentially put an end to what we know as the traditional religious Zionist party? Well, they get to a point where they may not even have a seat in the Knesset. Well, because, you mean whether they'll meet the threshold right. of getting 5%. Uh, there are a lot of parties like Lieberman and others who they raise questions whether they will make it to the, the threshold. Uh, I, I, look, I think there is a strong religious Zionist uh, constituency, the Mitzrahi uh, vote. Uh, they have now, they, they're facing a serious um, decision, and they've been meeting with Rob Druckmann and others uh, over the last days. I think that the party will still run. I still think that they can make the five percent um, threshold. Right. True or not that the reports that settlement building, let's call it that for the purposes of this conversation, settlement building under the quote unquote Netanyahu in Jerusalem, Trump in Washington administration, is uh, spreading like wildfire, as has been described in the media, because Washington uh, has given the Prime Minister carte blanche finally. The settlement building that Netanyahu has been looking for all these years is finally taking place. Well, first of all, I think it's exaggerated about um, 
you know, that this is like wildfire. There are expansions that have been in the works for many years, like in Efrat. And second is, you know, that the American government has been critical of some of the decisions, even this administration, mildly, but and not threatening or anything as a result. Uh, and, you know, that there are a lot of complaints from the people living in the West Bank that, that construction has been very slow and they uh, obviously took action against one of the illegal construction sites and uh, and not enough against the Palestinian sites, and they claim uh, illegal construction on the other side, um, by the other side, in, in the same areas. So you shouldn't jump to conclusions that the, the uh, expansion has increased so dramatically and how much of this is tied to the uh, upcoming election and trying to win those seats away from Bennett-Shaked uh, coalition that the government, um, that Netanyahu is looking to, to gain their support as well. Yeah, I got that. Um, report that there are many, many people leaving Turkey uh, at this point. And so my question is, where are they going? That is actually a very good question because it, it is true that uh, a quarter of a million people left. And this uh, is all economy-related or, or fear of Erdogan? What is it? Uh, I think a combination. Uh, there were thousands, more than, I think they said, 10,000 millionaires who moved their assets out of the com- country, mostly to the EU and to the UAE, to the United Arab Emirates, uh, to Abu Dhabi and Dubai. The... Um, uh, you know, the situation in the country where you have more radicalization, uh, more Islamization of the country, but also the economic collapse of the currency. And with Erdogan using the money for his nefarious activities um, in um, in many places, including uh, now along the Syrian border against the PKK and saying that they will move in, uh, involved in negotiations over whether they will purchase the S-400 defense system from Russia, meaning the first NATO country to do it, which could compromise the security of the F-35 stealth bombers that they want to buy from the United States. The United States offered them the Patriot system, which they had wanted a long time ago, and the United States did not sell them. uh, There are a lot of issues involving Turkey directly today in Erdogan, uh, who has made some very hostile anti-Israel statements of late, as he has all along, and um, many in the Jewish community there are in, living in great concern. There have been, there's obviously been an out-migration over years that has um, uh, been sustained uh, over the most recent period, the last year. Uh, but now we see it that the general population finds it more and more intolerable. And he is continuing his adventurism and his uh, very harsh uh, declarations, um, especially when it comes to Israel, and even, uh, I would say, crossing the line into anti-Semitism. What can you tell us about this episode that's getting a lot of attention, that uh, Palestinian medic Rujan al-Najjar was killed by an Israeli soldier on June the 1st and the aftermath of that situation? So they, they... assigned five reporters of the New York Times to, to write this story, makes the front page of the New York Times. You know, the Archbishop of Canterbury, in the same time, talked about the diminution of Christian populations, the right. persecution of Christians, the deaths of thousands and thousands of Christians at the hands of Muslims in, in the Middle East, the 
uh, and we know what's happening to to so many others, and that the uh, how many people the PA has executed, or Syria emptying their prisons and executing uh, um, large numbers of uh, political opponents or prisoners, so they don't have to bother with them. And that uh, I mean, there are all of these reports, and yet they get short shrift everywhere, uh, and hardly any coverage. Uh, when we talk about, we'll talk about what's the, what's going on in some in Lebanon and Syria with with Iran, et cetera. But the um, you know the the disproportion and distortion of this story because you don't see until the very end that they did not target the medic that it was a ricocheted bullet that the mm. bullet hit the dirt. And ricocheted off something, and hit the the medic, and, and and resulted in the death. But the it was not as they portray it in most of the article, and repeated to charges. You know that 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 they were that they killed, and this is a potential war crime or could be a war crime. All of these others are real war crimes. There's no war crime when you're defending your border against the onslaught of thousands of people who are breaking through the, the barrier, who are throwing things, uh, sending uh, balloons with with um, uh, uh, bombs on them, one that landed this week again near a kindergarten, the, that are uh, sh- shot a 1,000 rockets and missiles across the Gaza border this year, this past year alone, a 1,000 into Israel. And that these soldiers who exercise tremendous restraint, and it's regrettable if somebody gets killed, uh, you know, that was engaged in whatever activities, but they, were, but they were there as protesters. They were there in the middle of the demonstrations. It wasn't as if Israel, you know, singled out some civilian and, and, and killed. There's no war crime to defend your border, to defend your citizens. And yet this uh, story, it just reflects the impact and why uh, I just why we are so sensitive with stories and all these things and people say, why do you have to react to it? Why do you care about it? Uh, an American gets a, a sentence of life imprisonment for, for daring to sell to to uh, property to a Jew. And, you know, I, I was involved in a heavy discussion with some uh, people who were media people who were very critical and saying, well, this, will, this is disputed territory and therefore you cannot sell – I said, why, why is it, what has it got to do with there's disputed territory? This doesn't determine the status of the territory. A guy sells a house to someone, and then he'll live there. So you're saying, though, that a Jew won't be able to live in this area, whether regardless of what the ultimate outcome of negotiations is, whose sovereignty is imposed. Why can't a Jew be there and buy a house, and if it's the Palestinian authority gets control, then that will be it. But it's not predetermining anything. It's not impacting the ultimate outcome. And yet these people in media, American media, arguing and, and asserting that, well, this is, you know, this is a violation and it, it changes, it, it precludes negotiations. It doesn't do any of that. It's simply somebody buying property and that the, the ultimate outcome of negotiations will determine the, the status of it and the, the authority. God willing, it will be, remain as part of, uh, of uh, the Jewish state. But the, the 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 false premises that become accepted is really incredible. And, and look he, at Hamas killing collaborators, sentenced six more to death. We see that 44 other people were arrested by the PA over the past year, and, and many of them facing death sentences. 
Why? Because they sold land, and an um, uh, Israeli Arab who was killed in Nazareth because he'd been accused of selling uh, property or land to to a Jew. This is unbelievable. You know how many Arabs are buying land, with, including with money from outside, inside Israel? Nobody gets a death sentence for it. Unbelievable. I mean, serious stuff, and I, I, you know, it it irks me because we saw such a confluence. Of these stories in in the just in the last week or two, and the um, uh, you, you know Israel and the United States drew, dropped out of UNESCO because of the constant fake history that we've talked about, and I won't go through it. You know where they deny Jerusalem, they deny the Jewish connections, they deny Jewish ties, the bias, the you know the the incredible nature of of uh, some of the debates that go on. You ask ambassadors who serve there, and they tell you the hostile atmosphere, the outrageous things that are said. So when people raise questions, we'd be better to stay in. They try to stay in. They try to support the, the new Azulai, who's the new head of it, you know, made some uh, gestures, but they went ahead with the decision, both the United States and Israel, to pull out because they felt it's just beyond repair and that this anti-Israel bias continues. And you have to take a, a stand against it. You, ha- you cannot just let these stories and these uh, like Airbnb and other things, why it's not the economic impact. You see that Israel's, I don't know, foreign investment was like $6.1 billion this past year. It's an all-time record. And the um, the exports were $110 billion, uh, which was uh, an 8 or 10% increase. So economically, BDS is not hurting Israel. But it's the policy. It's what's behind it. It's the it's the um, precedents that are set that are very dangerous for for people for Jews in Israel and Jews around the world. No question about that. Finally, I, I keep hearing or, or reading, I should say, about uh, Egyptian cooperation with Israel being at its highest ever or its best ever. Um, how does that manifest itself? I mean, we, as you just said before, you know, there, there's still there's still fire balloons coming over, and there's still plenty of protests Israel has to deal with on the Gaza border. Uh, I would assume that co- this cooperation has nothing to do with the fact that Hamas would still love to start an open war against Israel, but considers whether it's smart for them to do so along that southern border. So how does this manifest itself, the Egyptian cooperation with Israel? Okay, so there's been a, a lot written, you're right, over last week's assessing, because sometimes CC has made um, some rousing speeches in which he, he made some um, appeals to the people, uh, as they call it, with uh, negative comments. But every day, every day, Israel and Egypt are working together to contain the dangers from Gaza. Egypt destroyed 1,300 tunnels coming from Gaza into Israel. If you think, just think if Morsi had been there during this period, right. how different the situation would have been. That Egyptian and Israeli warplanes fly together. They worked Israel is helping in the Sinai to fight ISIS and to fight the flow of weapons into Gaza. Uh, Egypt certainly has been uh, very forthright. He just allocated $72 million to rebuild Jewish heritage sites in in uh, Egypt, and to to do. Um, uh, he's also changed the textbooks, but unfortunately, the anti-Israel venom amongst the people continues. That's it's it's 90% or so. The um, uh, Egyptians who live in Israel who have a dual citizenship or for other reasons, were in Israel for business in extended periods, uh, are finding that they lose citizenship. These are things that are being fought, but 
so they say that there are mixed signals, but if you look at the overall assessment and you think of the alternatives, what he is doing in Libya, what he's trying to do to sustain uh, an economy that is, uh, you know, everything is racked up against them when 50% of the people are making $2 a day, and they're trying to sustain the economy. And he's still fighting the Muslim Brotherhood and, of course, the terrorists. We saw the attack on the tourists during the yeah. during um, New Year's weekend, I think, or, or right before. So he's got a, a very difficult uh, assignment. But I would tell you that I'm sure that the Prime Minister of Israel, the Chief of Staff of Israel, all of them pray for his health and that uh, he will be there. And, and you know, we also saw we shouldn't um, uh, not mention the positive story of the visit of, the Net- of Netanyahu to Bolsonaro, the, the new president of Brazil, who said he will move his embassy. Honduras supposedly saying they will move their embassy. Yeah, I think Bibi, I think Bibi could, Bibi could run for president of Brazil the way he got the reception he had there. That even and I told one story that he was at a some seaside restaurant with his wife and somebody yelled, walked by and yelled "Free Palestine" and he said "From Hamas." Oh. <laughs> and, uh, but but he got a really hero's welcome there. Remember that we've had hostile governments in Brazil right. uh, of late, and this one is um, is quite the reverse. People liken him to Trump to others, but he's. Um, uh, he's right now very popular, and and, B, and it translated to BB in a time. And if you talk to um, Israeli ambassadors to Brazil about how hostile it was and the difficulties that um, uh, they had, we also saw the adoption of the law against human shields, which puts Hamas and Hezbollah under new sanctions. And the president will have to see what President Trump does to uh, to implement um, those. I mean, it's just there's so much that has, that goes on that every week, you know, you can hardly believe uh, how many things are, are taking place and why people have to stay on top of the news all the time and talk to their kids and talk about what, uh, you know, the new tunnels that were discovered, the fifth tunnel. These are uh, and the, you know, that Israel is filling them with liquid cement and it comes out the other end. And there is one online where you see all of a sudden the, the, Hamas, the Hezbollah operatives. And all of a sudden you hear this rumbling noise and the cement starts pouring into the houses and the villages where the, and the factories where this stuff, where the tunnels are started. So, you know, the actual origins, uh, it also seals them from from uh, future use. And UNIFIL has confirmed uh, three of them and the violations of the Security Council. And yet they take very little action in Iran. We know is uh, within the 50 kilometers uh, from Israel's border that they're supposed to be excluded from, and are uh, expanding their uh, their presence. And the now the shifting alliance with the U.S. saying the withdrawal, now delaying the withdrawal. Uh, what's going to happen with the Kurds? What's going to happen in Iraq? And their greater involvement both in Iran and internally, and with ISIS having to shift where they they will operate. Uh, these are all really long-term challenges that that are complex. I understand, and it makes the brain hurt sometimes. But you got to follow them and understand what they really mean. A reminder: Malcolm Holmline will be Pesach in beautiful Puerto Vallarta, and so far he is not taking me along. So far, that could that could change, folks. I'm looking for a appropriate size suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> Go to PesachInVallarta.com or dial 
one nine. Malcolm Holmline is executive Thank vice chair. Pleasure, executive vice chairman of the conference president of major American Jewish organizations. Thank you so much. We will speak next week. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Malcolm Holmline with us. JM in the AM Friday morning. Arif Shabbos. By the way, speaking of major events and major events happening in April, I want to remind everybody that Rabbi Yudin is coming up on his fiftieth anniversary at uh, Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, and on Sunday, April the seventh. Rabbi Benjamin and Chevy Uden's 50 years of dynamic leadership at Congregation Shomri Torah and beyond will be recognized at the Atrium Ballroom in Muncie. Uh, reservations, journal entries, etc. You get to the web, UdenTribute.org. UdenTribute.org. Participate with us in paying tribute to the Udens for 50 years at Shomri Torah. Uh, this time each and every Friday, every Arab Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good morning, Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Vo'era. Parshas Vo'era contains the first seven of the ten Makos, plagues that Hashem brings upon the Egyptians. And I'd like to ask a very simple question. Why? Why does Hashem have to bring ten plagues? After all, in last week's parsha, at the end of Shmos and Shishi, <coughs> Hashem instructs Moshe in chapter 4, Pesach 22, and He tells him, V'yomarto el paro, this is what you should say to paro, Komar Hashem, this is what Hashem has said, B'ni B'chori Yisrael. My firstborn son is Israel. V'omari lecha. And therefore I, Hashem, say to you, Paro, Shalach is B'ni, send out my son, V'yavdeni, that he may serve me. V'atma'en l'shalcho. However, should you refuse to send him, I will kill your firstborn son. Moshe tells him up front what's going to happen. So now when Paro refuses, why does Hashem have to bring one, two, three, through nine, etc., and then, and only then, bring the tenth plague? Why not go for the, quote, jugular and kill out the firstborn, let Paro send them out right away. I'd like to suggest as a possibility the Maral in his commentary on Ovos, Terach HaChayim, in chapter 5, tells us that there is a connection between the Asora Ma'amoros, the ten statements with which this world was created, the Eser Makos, the ten plagues, and the Aseris Adibros, the Ten Commandments. Ten, ten, ten. The first ten uh, statements clearly established God as the Creator. He is the one that created the world. The Makos clearly show, as the Psukim themselves show later on in this week's Parsha, that He is intricately involved within that which is happening in this world. After all, as the creator, he can then take nature 
and literally have the wild animals go here and not go there. It's blood for the Egyptians and it's water for the Jews because after all is said and done, nature is his. And finally, the third ten, the Ten Commandments, tell us that Hashem is not only the Ish Mochama, literally the man of war uh, in Egypt, whereby doing war against the Egyptians, but he's also that same Ish, that same uh, being who is the legislator, the lawgiver, and the one that provides us with purpose, meaning, and direction in this world as well. And so one can say that the purpose of the Makos are not only punitive to the Egyptians to teach them that there is a master, a judge in this world, there is reward and punishment in this world, but also this is not a world of kol da'alim gevar, which means literally might makes right. And Egypt was one of the mightiest empires of the day, and they were being taught very clearly, very well, this idea that there is a sense of justice in the world. The Ramban points out in his lengthy commentary at the end of Parshas Bo that not only were the Makos punitive to Mitzrayim, but they were educational to B'nai Yisrael. The man teida, ki ani Hashem bekerev oretz, his hashkocha, his divine providence within the land. That the man teida, ki l'ashem oretz, that he is the master of this world and this earth. And finally, bavur teida, ki in komoni, and there's no one like me in the land, period. I think it's very interesting to take note that in this entire excitement of bringing the plagues upon the Egyptians, the Torah goes out of its way to guide us and teach us an extremely important lesson of Midos, of character, and that is regarding the first three plagues, the Torah tells us that both by the plague of blood, the Torah says in chapter 7, verse 19, Hashem says to Moshe, Emolar Aaron, tell Aaron he's to take his staff, he is to hit the waters of Mitzrayim, and guess what? They become blood. Why Aaron? And rabbis tell us, says Rashi, because the rivers, the waters, protected Moshe when he was thrown into the waters. Therefore, it wasn't struck by him, nor the second one, 
whereby the frogs come out of the water, and nor the third one, which is the kinim, the lice, which come from the ground, whereby the earth protected Moshe when he killed the Egyptian and he buried the Egyptian, since these three inanimate objects, the water, the dust, helped Moshe, Moshe showed his hakoras hatov, Moshe showed his recognition, thankfulness to these objects, right? And therefore, they were struck by Aaron. The Torah is teaching us incredible, the importance of midos, of character, even at this time. Moshe, for a week's time, argues with God as to not taking the position. And finally, he says to Hashem in last week's parsha, Shlach no biyad tishlach, please send the one that you have been sending all along. Send my brother Aaron, says Rashi. He's been there the last 60 years. I was away in Midian. He's been holding up the, the morale of the people all these years. I can't do this to my brother. And it's only when Hashem assures Moshe, that the Ruach, when he sees you after all these years, the Samach Balibo, he is truly going to be most happy on your behalf. Then and only then does Moshe take it. I, two million people are waiting to be redeemed. He can save them from another day of suffering. Moshe, you love these people, but not at the expense of his brother. Now, Rav Shimshul Hirsch has a very interesting thesis that the Torah teaches in the extreme. So, the Torah doesn't say to bury a Jew. The Torah says if a criminal is hung, even he is to be buried on that same day. The Torah says, don't curse anybody. The Torah says, don't curse the deaf. I can't curse the deaf, all the more so I can't curse somebody who hears. The Torah says regarding a Jewish wife, that she is to get a ksuba. But it's not written like that. A Jewish man marries a Jewish woman. No, in the extreme case, which happens so infrequently, of a Jewish father selling his daughter as an Oma Ivriya, even she gets the ksuba. The Torah teaches in the extreme, and I believe that's what the Torah is teaching us here in this week's parsha as well. It's teaching us the extreme of Hakoras Hatov. The one has to have Hakoras Hatov even to the inanimate objects. Why? Because Hakoras Hatov, which is the character of showing thanksgiving recognition for the good that was done to you, is an essential part of Metchunas Hanefesh, of developing our soul and character. And clearly, as the Sefer Achinuch writes in next week's Parsha of Parsha's Bo, that Adam Nifal Kefi Pu'ulosav, he asks the basic question, why so many different mitzvos related to Yitzias Mitzrayim? And his powerful answer is that man is affected by his actions and his, in this case here, inactions. And so, when one shows Hakorasatov 
even to an inanimate object, which you can say that the water has no feeling. And this is not the same water that saved Moshe 60 years ago. And it's not the same earth that saved Moshe 60 years ago. But this is refining the character of man that, in this case here, he will become a better sensitive person. And as we saw in last week's parasha, Paro, who had no hakoras hatov to man, leads to no hakoras hatov to God. A person could rationalize any and all situations. Why should I have to give thanks to you? Yes, you did me a favor, but come on. You did me a favor today because you want me to do a favor tomorrow. Why should I thank my wife for cooking dinner? Come on. After all, I gave her the money to buy the dinner. And you can go on and on and always find a good reason not to be supportive and showing true thankfulness to the next one. And this, unfortunately, leads to horrific character. And the Torah is showing us that even at this very, or not only even, but at the very moment that we are becoming that nation and we are in the process of being redeemed, it's not just that we are taking slaves and freeing them, but we're taking individuals and refining their character. And this is that preparation for Kabbalah Satora, because in order for a person to receive a holy Torah, they have to have a holy character. And it's brought about by Hakoras Hatov. And so we find the beautiful story of Reb Yisrael, Zev Gustman, Sadik Levracha, the Rosh Hashiva of Nesach Yisrael, who at a very young age was a child progeny, and Reb Chaim Ozer Grzinski, Sadik Levracha, took him under his wings, brought him as a young man as part of the Bezdin, had him write up his chuvos for him, and listen to this. He would take him from time to time for walks, and they would go into the forest, and Reb Chaim would show him, by the way, these plants, these are healthy, and one can eat these plants. Those over there, and he showed them to recognize the difference between the two, are poisonous. Don't eat them. Reb Gustman didn't understand why his Rebbe was showing this to him. Not too long thereafter, unfortunately, the Germans, Yamach Shemam, overran Vilna, and he had no choice but to hide in the forest. And he joined the partisans, and he became their Rebbe. And during that time, there was an absolute shortage of food. And he remembered what his Rebbe had taught him, Reb Chaim Ozer, and those plants that he had taught him sustained him, and he realized that this is what kept him alive in the forest for months and months at a time. As a result of that, when he was privileged to come to Eretz Yisrael and establish his yeshiva, there were maintenance people and people that took care of everything, except for one thing. Every day, Rav Guzman 
would go out and water the plants in front of the yeshiva. And when they asked him why, he would say this was his way of showing hakoras hatov to those plants which saved his life. The idea is that we are nourished from our Torah. We're nourished from our Torah in terms of how to act, how to become that very special person. And Hakoras HaTov is something that we should all be so cognizant thereof. A person says, ah, if only I won the lottery, well, I'd show my thankfulness to Hashem. My goodness, every day you win the lottery by Pokeach Ivrim. You can open your eyes. What we say every morning, the Birchas Shachar, every morning that we say that we have the ability to Zokev Kefufim, we can stand strict straight and, and erect. And every morning, that you've given me back my soul and I can arise and partake of another day. Some people don't get up in the morning. Period. You've won the lottery. That's the way you have to look at it. That Hashem literally gives us back our soul daily, that is winning the lottery. An exciting parsha of seven out of the ten makos taught them a lesson and much must teach us as well that very important lesson of Derech Eretz, Torah, being a mensch is a prerequisite for receiving the Torah and Hakaras HaTov is a very important aspect of being that mensch. Shabbat Shalom to all.
J.M. in the A.M. with Eighth Day and Bring It Home. Friday morning, it's Erev Shabbos. Erev Shabbos Parshas Vaero with candle lighting at 421 on this Erev Shabbos here in New York. 421. Um, where are we here? There we go. 36 degrees, mostly cloudy. The rain starts tonight in this area. Hope things are good where you are. We'll bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. Rosh Chodesh Shvat will be on Monday. Mazel Tov to Chaim Dov Belsky, whose Ufruf is tomorrow. Mazel Tov. Mazel Tov to Eliezer Roth, whose Ufruf is tomorrow. Mazel Tov. And Mazel Tov to the Baumans. Apparently the uh, name of um, Mr. and Mrs. Dov Bauman's brand new son is Mendy Bauman, named, of course, for the young man's grandfather of blessed memory, who we remember so fondly. Uh, Sadov and family, mazal tov to you from all of us here at JM in the AM. 36 degrees outside, Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, JM in the AM. Don't forget, we have amazing programming all through the day and all through the weekend. Naomi Nachman is next, coming up on Table for Two with Shifra Klein from Fleischik's Magazine. A.B. and Sarah Meltz, a uh, Maltz rather, A.B. and Sarah Maltz from Wayless Cookies. And Rachel and Hezi Yazdi from Fruits by Pesha. The Erev Shabbos Show Encore, sponsored by our friends at Kedem, happens at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Harry Rothenberg with the video Parsha blog on Vaera at 1 o'clock. Erev Shabbos Music Mix, sponsored by our friends at Kedem from after that, 1 p.m. Uh, until uh, candlelighting time. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler. And then on uh, Sunday, Matis with JM Sunday. It's an amazing presentation every single week, and we thank him. It's live. It's great. Matis with JM Sunday, this coming Sunday, starting at 7 a.m. Eastern time right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, JM in the AM. Let's keep the music going. Spilzkin 
J.M. in the A.M. with Sandy, Sandy Shmueli, words from the Birchas HaChodesh that we say tomorrow as we bench Rosh Chodesh Shvat. Rosh Chodesh Shvat will be on Monday. Keep that in mind, everybody. Rosh Chodesh Shvat will be on Monday. And we will bench Rosh Chodesh tomorrow. J.M. in the A.M. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at J.M. in the A.M.
time to say good Shabbos Cause all your work is done Gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Well, that'll do it for an amazing week of JM and the AM, and I thank all of you for tuning in. Plenty coming up, including the Elmi Nachman, a brand new edition of Table for Two. All of our great Shabbos programming. Thank you to our friends at Kedem, all coming up between now and candlelighting time. And uh, our thanks to the Rothenberg Law Firm, Harry's uh, video blog, and Parshas Vaera coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern Time this afternoon. Saturday Night Signal with Avrami tomorrow night. Matas with JM Sunday live, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, starting at 7. Again, 7 a.m. Eastern Time is coming Sunday. And Monday, we're back here with JM in the a.m. Have a fabulous Shabbos, wonderful weekend. Till Monday, Nachum Sigal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.